Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead. However, you get your Bible in book form or app form and open them up to Mark chapter 2, the Gospel of Mark chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. I'm excited for this series. It's been fun uh, so far, and uh, many of you have, have told me you're excited about this, and so we're going to keep this party going. Does that sound all right? And we've got uh, Mark chapter 2. And so we're going to read this. I'm not going to wait till like halfway through the sermon this time. Uh, So I'm going to invite you to go ahead, if you're able, to stand in honor and reverence for the reading of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ from Mark chapter 2. Hear the word of the Lord. When he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there, were, there was no longer room for them, not even in the front door. And he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves. And he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your heart? Which is easier To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up and take your mat and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we have never seen anything like this. This is the word of God for the people of God here and online. And our response is, thanks be to God. You may be seated. I want to tell you a story about Doug. Doug was born in March of 1942 in the great city of San Francisco. He was born to Audrey and Merle. And uh, Audrey and Merle were married from a young age. Merle had a bit of a problem, though. Merle was addicted to alcohol. And that meant he had trouble holding down a job, even in a city that was building and, and robust during that time period. And so he tended to lose job after job after job after job. In fact, when Doug would talk about it, he just remembers being with his dad in the cab of the pickup, going around the neighborhoods of San Francisco as his dad was trying to look for work. 
And sometimes he would have work, and he would have work for a few days, and, and then he would make some money, and then that would go into alcohol, and then he would lose the job. This continued, this pattern, over and over and over again for many years. Until finally, Audrey could no longer take it. And even though it was not popular in those days for a woman to divorce her husband, uh, when, when Merle made an advance on his own daughter because he was so under the influence of alcohol, she opened a sheet, put as many of the kids' clothes in there as possible, grabbed all four corners, threw it in the back of the station wagon, and drove from San Francisco back home to Oklahoma. It was not an easy life for Audrey. She had to ship her three kids out to aunts and uncles to work on the farm while she tried to hold down a job as a cocktail waitress and, and, uh, and tried to go back to school to do a few things. And Doug began to grow up. And he worked hard and he, uh, he tried, but uh, you know, there was work and there was a longing and a loneliness within him. And as, as life began to take effect, by the time Doug was about 15 or 16, he decided school wasn't for him and he dropped out. He was beginning to run with a crowd that was starting the patterns of his own dad in his life where he began drinking and getting in trouble and, and all these things. He managed to get a job with his brother-in-law, Jim, and, um, and Jim was a good influence on him to begin with. Just uh, really tried to talk with Doug about church and getting him to come to church and what a good place it was, and, and it would be great, but, but Doug just kept saying, no, it's not for me, I don't need that, and Doug continued to drink a lot, and then he began to uh, go with some crowd, and they began to break into some places and steal alcohol and those kinds of things. And he lived on a border town in liberal Kansas, and so by the time he was a little bit older, Doug was wanted in both states for grand larceny. And eventually his lifestyle caught up with him, and he was caught... And he was about to be before the judge, and there he was, paralyzed by his actions, paralyzed by what he had done, paralyzed by the same pattern that he was following with his family. And it just so happened that there was a pastor of a small Nazarene church who was there in the courthouse that day and was walking by, and the pastor describes it as, God told me to go into that courtroom. And just before the judge was about to sentence that paralyzed young man named Doug, the pastor spoke up and said, Judge, don't throw that man's life away. If you will give him to me, he will come to church when I come to church. He will stay in my home. He will eat with my family. Don't throw his life away. Obviously, that was back in the day when pastors had some sway with judges. <laughs> because the judge said, okay. And Doug moved in with this pastor and his family. And Doug began to, yes, do his job with Jim who continued to tell him he needed to go, and now he had to go. <laughs> and he went, and he went, and he saw a little church, and he saw 
people who loved him, people who created space for him, people who continued to speak into his life. And it wasn't long before their actions and their longing for him tore the roof off of Doug's heart so that he could be lowered into the presence of Jesus. And at an altar not unlike the one we have right here, Doug knelt and gave his heart to Jesus and heard Jesus say to him, Son, your sins are forgiven. Take up your mat and go home. And it changed his life. Because there was a community of people who were determined to help people find and follow Jesus. And I believe that our our scripture uh, uh, says this today or shows us this today. I, I know that this whole story, really the heart of what Mark is trying to do with this story is is to show, yes, a great miracle, but also Jesus's authority when it was being questioned by the the religious, the rigidly religious people of his day. And yet as I read this story, I couldn't help but think about the mindset of these friends, of this paralytic man, and what they did. And I began to see that there were some things that they did because they wanted to help their friends. And so the first thing that they did is they understood what Jesus could do for their friends. If you look back in the in the verses preceding this passage, we see that Jesus had healed some people. Jesus had cast out demons from some people. Jesus was doing some amazing things. And so they heard this and they began to wonder, they began to understand that Jesus could do something for their friend even though he was paralyzed. So the first thing they did was they understood They understood what Jesus could do for their friend. Just like that little community in liberal Kansas, they understood that Jesus could set Doug free, could redeem his life, could change him from the inside out. They understood this, but they didn't just understand it. They were then undeterred by the crowds. You like how everything starts with you? It helps you helps me remember it's all good they were undeterred by the crowds i'm sure they knew as they were getting that that man however small or frail or big or large that he was it's not easy to carry a human being that cannot move and so they got him i'm sure on a mat of some sort that was able to transport maybe they got four people around or or two people who were maybe stronger and and they led him And they carried him wherever they needed to carry him through the village to get him to Jesus. And they saw the crowd, but they were undeterred by that. They were going to get him in front of Jesus no matter what. They were undeterred. Just like that little community in liberal Kansas was undeterred when Doug's heart was crowded around with his story, with his narrative, with the patterns of his family, with his addictions, with his self-centeredness. That little community was undeterred. They kept saying hello. They kept creating a space for him. They kept inviting him to eat. They kept preaching. They kept letting him know how much he was loved. But not only were they undeterred, they were united in their plan. 
They all knew that where the goal was and they were united. They didn't have one person wanting to go this way and that way. They were united in what they were planning to do. Everybody knew the plan. And you can just see them walking along and, and we've got to get them up there. There were the buildings of that homes of that day would often have stairs on the outside that could get up to the flat surface of the roof where they would dry herbs and spices or store some things that they wanted to keep off the ground. And so they move and they see the crowd and there it is. They're undeterred. They move around to the side and they go up the stairs. I wonder what people were thinking. Where are they going with that guy? What are they doing? But they were united in knowing what they needed to do. They were undeterred by the crowds. And they wanted, they, they knew what Jesus could do. Just like that little church in liberal Kansas that was united in their plan, not just for Doug, but for their community to know that they could find and follow Jesus and that Jesus could make a difference in their life and in the life of their community. They were united all through that time. And finally, these friends, they were unconcerned with the cost to accomplish their goal. They were unconcerned with the cost. I, I'm sure, you know, to dig down through somebody's roof. How many of you would love it if somebody dug down through your roof? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, this good stuff happened. But what about that? It's going to rain tomorrow. But the friends knew what Jesus could do. They were united in what they wanted to see happen. And so they were unconcerned with the cost. It doesn't matter. They were willing to sacrifice. They were willing to do the unconventional thing. They were willing to dig down through. They were willing, I'm sure, to have to give of their time or their talent or their money in order to have that roof repaired. But the cost didn't matter. What mattered was that their friend needed to be in front of Jesus. I often think about that pastor of the church in liberal Kansas who took someone who was about to be sentenced for his crimes and brought him into his home. He had a daughter. He had kids. He had a wife. But he brought him in and created space. He was unconcerned with the cost to accomplish the goal of putting Doug in front of Jesus. So he invited him in. He dug down through the roof of his life in order, and he didn't worry about the cost. He worried about getting this young man in front of Jesus. So the question is then today for us, will we follow in their footsteps? Will we be ones who go through all of these things for the sake of others. You know, last week we started building our mission statement, and I said each phrase, or three phrases, so tune in next week. I know next week, Memorial Day. Yeah. So if you're not here, watch online. But you should be here. Because we want to be in this together. I said there are three phrases 
that we're going to be looking at, that each one of them are nice on their own, but when we stack them together, it creates a powerful mission for cross-community church. Whether you're here or online, it doesn't matter. You can be involved in this. And last week, we looked at cross-community church is committed to helping people. And this week, we add a phrase that is great on its own, but when you add it to helping people, it creates a powerful mission. That cross-community church is committed to helping people find and follow Jesus. That's the purpose of a church, is that we exist here to help people find and follow Jesus, just like that paralytic's friends, just like that little church in liberal Kansas that helped Doug so many years ago. Now remember, our series is called Reset, and reset means to set again or anew. And so this means that, yes, we have been a part of wanting people to find and follow Jesus, and, and maybe today we're just getting this called out in us again to do some of those things that we've done in the past. But there are maybe some new ways that we will learn to help people find and follow Jesus. And that means we're going to have to be like those friends of that paralytic, like that little church. We have to ask ourselves the question today, my friends, do you really understand what Jesus can do in a person's life? Do you understand that? Has it it gripped you? I wanted this just this just let let me uh, it just made me pause as I was kind of studying this. How many of you would say, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, how many of you would say, Jesus changed my life? All right, keep them raised. Keep them raised. All right. Now, of those same, how many of you know Jesus because someone brought you to him? Everyone. That's right. You mean there's nobody here like Paul? You know, the sky opened up, thrown to the ground by a beam of light. Heard a voice? Okay. You can put your hands down. If we understand what Jesus can do in a person's life because Jesus has changed my life, has changed your life, and if we put that connection together that we understand and Jesus did that work because somebody, a mom, a dad, an aunt, an uncle, a friend, a colleague, a daycare center invited me to be a part of a church where I could hear and a church that was committed to helping people find and follow Jesus, then are we ready to follow in that pattern? Where we want our friends, our neighbors, our colleagues, and yeah, maybe even those who are difficult to love. We want to help them to find and follow Jesus because we understand what Jesus can do with a person's life. So we also have to go and we have to say, and then am I willing? Are you willing? To be undeterred in your attempt to bring people into His presence. I'll just let you know, although the statistics say that 70 to 80% of people who were invited to church would say yes if they were invited, there might be some that say no. Are you going to be undeterred to keep on the relationship, to share what you're learning, To share what Jesus is doing in your life and in your heart. 
Are you willing? Are you going to be undeterred by that person maybe being difficult to love, but still wanting them to be a part? Are you going to be like that little church? Are you going to be like those friends of the paralytic man and be undeterred in your attempt to bring people into Jesus' presence? Then they, it really then sets out to us as a goal. Church, are we united in this goal? I mean, if I, I, as a pastor, I just have to say, if we're not united in this goal, then let's just close the doors. <laughs> Because this isn't just about hanging around with people that we like. We can do that anywhere. The goal of a church is to help people and to help people find and follow Jesus. And we are called to unity in this pursuit to bring people into His presence so that Jesus can do the work in their life. Whatever that life, whatever that work must be or needs to be. And then... And maybe most difficult for us today, are we willing to be unconcerned with cost or convention to accomplish this? Sometimes we we will have to give and sacrifice so that others can be brought into Jesus' presence. Sometimes we'll have to change up the conventional things. I remember back in the 1990s and, and early 2000s, conventions began to change. Churches began to go from holding a, a book in front of them and just having a piano on this side and an organ on that side. And, and then they started seeing uh, guitars come in. Some of them even looked like electric guitars, like that one back there. We didn't quite have keyboards yet. And then, God forbid, there were drums on the platform. The devil's instrument. Conventions began to change. And those churches that began to allow Jesus to change their convention in order that they could see people begin to come into the presence of Jesus, they were willing to sacrifice. They were unconcerned with changing the convention so that Jesus, so that people could be in Jesus' presence and Jesus could do the work in their life. Of healing, forgiving, setting free, sending them out. So church, we have to wrestle with that right here at the beginning. If we are committed to helping people, and if we're committed to helping people find and follow Jesus, then are we willing to be unconcerned? Are you willing to be unconcerned if convention needs to change? In order for people to be brought into Jesus' presence. Think about that. Because we are a convenience culture. And when convenience changes, we often change our attitudes. But we are called to help people find and follow Jesus. And that may mean sacrificial giving, even of our conveniences, in order for that to happen. For someone else. Question I'm bringing us down to is what would you do to help a friend find and follow Jesus? And maybe you need to, to flip this a little bit. 
Maybe you need to ask yourself directly, what will I do to help a friend find and follow Jesus? See, it almost needs to be a change of our mindsets as we begin to move in our world, as we begin to do things here in the church or outside the building, wherever we are. Will you invite someone? It's not just the the nerves of, oh my goodness, I'm inconveniencing myself. I'm I'm afraid of rejection. What if they say no? Um, Pastor says I should do it. or, Or the church. Do you remember, how many of you are old enough to remember like children's church or Sunday school? If you invite someone, you and your friend will get a Reese's peanut butter cup. I really want that peanut butter cup, so I better do this. Instead of that mindset of what I get out of it or what I don't get out of it, the new mindset is I invite someone because I am united with a group of people who are determined to help people find and follow Jesus. And so there are a lot of people out there, and I want to help them in whatever way I can. Will we welcome? When someone comes in the door, it's not just somebody sitting in my seat. Or who is that person? I should ask pastor, who was that person across the way? No, we begin to have our mindset shifted. We begin to say, they're here. And I want to help them in whatever way I can to find and follow Jesus. And I'm so glad you're here. And if you don't know them, to get their name and just say, I'm glad you're here. Welcome. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to ask. Let them sit next to you. Talk to them. Make sure that they're welcome because you are united in a plan that says, I want to do whatever is necessary to help people find and follow Jesus. Because I know that Jesus can make all the difference in their life. Will you invest? Will you invest your time? I mean, I want us to think about this for just a moment. Will you invest your time? Will you give to to help people here? Let's let's just take an example from the church. We have a nursery. And we have people who give of their time to be there. And I'm sure if we asked each and every one of them, Do you enjoy changing diapers? Probably none of them would say yes. But somehow they understand, I'm not just changing a diaper. I am helping a young person find and follow Jesus. I am giving a mom or a dad an attempt to be in Jesus' presence so that they can find and follow Jesus and not and just have a little bit of time without uh, the little one to care for so that they can be in His presence and hear from Him and be encouraged, be set free, be forgiven. Whatever the work needs to happen, I am giving of my time in order to help people find and follow Jesus. That's just one example. We could take teaching kids. We could take small group leaders. We could take someone helping with the food pantry. We could could take going on 
trips outside of the building to feed and help. Whatever it is, you begin to have this mindset change that every moment of my life, I have an opportunity to be united with a group of people who are determined to help people find and follow Jesus. And that's what we want to be about. So will you invest your time, your talent, your gifts, and yes, maybe even your treasure so that this could happen? Because friends, we know this about Jesus, don't we? That He is ready to forgive, to heal, and to call. Just like He did for that paralytic man thousands of years ago. And Doug's life was changed because someone and a group of people did all of these things to place him in front of Jesus. And when he heard Jesus say, Son, your sins are forgiven, it wasn't long after that that he took up that same call and decided that God was calling him to be a pastor and he was going to dedicate his life to being a part of a church that decided they would help people find and follow Jesus. And it changed his life because of that. And it changed mine too, because he's my dad. That's me with the goofy little smile right there on the left-hand side. It changed everything. So I'm forever grateful for that Nazarene pastor, and Jim Estes. And I'm so grateful that he and my mom brought me, sometimes willingly, most of the time willingly, sometimes maybe felt like they were dragging me into the presence of Jesus. Because Jesus made a difference in Doug's life. Jesus made a difference in my life. And I'm here today, folks, to tell you that as we move into the next century of Cross Community Church, just a couple years away, I want to be a part of a church that is helping people and that is helping people find and follow Jesus. Are you ready to help people find and follow Jesus? Let's stand for prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful for the change that you made in Doug, my dad. And what a change! delivered him took an angry young man and made him gentle you took an addicted man and set him free you took a man who didn't understand how to love or what love was about and made him a lover of people and I am here today because of the change you made in him but more than that I'm grateful for the people the church that was committed to helping others find and follow Jesus. May that story continue in this church. 
as we commit ourselves to to let you make that mindset change in us. And it's not just because we have to, but because we understand the change that you've made in us and we understand that we're a part of this story because somebody else was determined to help me find and follow you. So help us to pay it forward. Help us to look for every opportunity to help someone else find and follow Jesus. Whether it's things that we can invest in here on a Sunday morning or whether it's in our jobs or in our schools. Help us to see our friends. Help us to see those that are difficult to love with new lenses of your grace and your compassion, your mercy. To be undeterred by the crowd around their heart, knowing that if we can just get them in your presence, you can bring every healing that they might need. God, forgive us if our eyes and our hearts have been set on convention, on doing things the way that we've always done them, if our hearts have been critical or filled with contempt, if we have gone after other loves, thinking we might gain power, we repent and we ask you to make clear again the vision that Cross Community Church is called to help people find and follow you. Show us new ways. Open our hearts for new people. And move us out into our world ready to help. For we follow your example. You came to serve and not to, serve, not to be served. To give your life to set people free. Help us to follow you. For we pray and we ask and we go in the strength and power of your love that we have received because we've been in your presence. And so we thank you and pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you receive this blessing? And now, my brothers and sisters, may you sense your heart being tugged by the Savior to unite with a group of people, this group of people right here and online, to be committed to helping people. To be committed to helping people find and follow Jesus. May you hear His call this week to say, where are you inviting? Where are you welcoming? Where are you going to give your time, your talent, your treasure in order to help people find and follow me? And may you receive the joy and the peace that comes with knowing that you're leading people into His presence. And I pray that we will see Many come to find and follow Him as we commit to this great cause. I pray these things in the name of the Father who is for us, the Son who is in us, and the Holy Spirit who is in us. One God forever and ever. Amen.
God bless you. Go in the unity of our purpose. Go and help people find and follow Jesus. If you've joined us online, thank you for joining us. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website.